podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's good, boys and girls? Two-footed podcast on Friday, February 25th, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network will allow you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from. So, for example, if you're a UK expat living abroad, wanting access to BBC iPlayer, ITV Hub, or all four, you can do that and keep your data safe with a Liberty Shield router. Go to libertyshield.com, use the code router50 at checkout to get your router half price. Worldwide distribution, libertyshield.com, router50. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops which you can find on Etsy. Download that Etsy app to your phone. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks, lots to get through today, so we're going to run through it all as quickly and succinctly as possible, starting with Arsenal 2, Wolves 1 in the Premier League last night. Big, big win for Arsenal. Feels like a big win. The second big win for them against Wolves in recent weeks. And I would argue they're their two best wins of the season. Now, you know I don't believe in this Arsenal team. And the cynic in me looks at Wolves and says, you're pretty good. You've got a very good defence. But it has now slipped from being the second best defence in the division to the joint third best defence in the division. And your attack is the third worst attack in the division. You are, for all intents and purposes, a slightly better version of Brighton. You are a mid-table team. Now, they're still in the mix for top four. But nobody had them there before the season began. And I think Arsenal, on the balance of talent, should be beating Wolves. Wolves have a better manager. Arsenal far better players. You go up and down the team's... There's only a couple of Wolves players that would make that Arsenal team. You take Sa over Ramsdale, but it's Tommy Asu. I would say Kilman, Gabriel, and Tierney is the back three, the back four rather. So one Wolves defender. Neves absolutely next to Partey. But then I think it's all Arsenal. Then I think it's Saka, Odegaard, Smith Rowe. And Martinelli as your front four. Because Jimenez has fallen off. Trinkiev hasn't settled in the Premier League. Neto's only back from injury, so you can't have him. I think there's three Wolves players getting that Arsenal team. But that doesn't take away from the fact it's a good win for Arsenal. And it's the first time under Mikel Arteta in 20 attempts that they have come back and won a game having been behind at half time. They went behind on 10 minutes. Huang Hee Chan latching on to a bad back pass from Gabriel. I really, really don't know what it was that Aaron Ramsdale was doing that far out of his goal in that position. But he goes around Ramsdale easily and slots home. 1-0 to Wolves. And Wolves, to their credit, played a pretty much perfect first half. But in the second half, they fell into some bad habits. Habits they've displayed at other times this season. And more notably under Nuno the past couple of years, dropping too deep, time-wasting, trying to buy cheap free kicks. And all they were doing was inviting more and more and more pressure from Arsenal. Arsenal finally get on level terms on 82 minutes. 
Credit here to Mikel Arteta. He made the changes. Brought on Enketia. Brought on Pepe. It's Enketia to Pepe for the goal. Brilliant first touch by Nicolas Pepe. Good finish past Sa. Arsenal back on level terms. And you thought that was going to be it. With how Wolves have defended this year, you didn't think Arsenal would get a second goal, especially given the fact that Arsenal had had 23, 24 shots on goal to this point and only managed four of them on target, including the Nicolas Pepe goal. But 95 minutes. The referee played 99 minutes, most of it probably because of Wolves' time-wasting. On 95 minutes, Lacazette slipped the ball in the box. I think it's more a cross than shot. If it's a shot, it's a really bad one. It takes a deflection that puts it more on target than it was prior to the deflection, but it's still not going anywhere close to in. But Jose Sa sticks up a hand. The ball deflects off his hand and goes into the net. It's tough for Wolves because they played really well, but they asked for trouble, and Arsenal, to their credit, kept going and kept going and kept going. And in the end, they got the reward. So it's a big win for Arsenal. It's a disappointing defeat for Wolves. Wolves stay seventh. That's two defeats in the last five now, both to Arsenal. For Arsenal, it's three wins in a row. And they're up to fifth in the league. One point behind Manchester United with the game in hand. Sorry, with two games in hand. The fans getting very carried away last night told me they're looking at Chelsea in third. Settle yourselves down. Let's see you beat someone in that top six. West Ham, United, Chelsea, Liverpool or City. Let's see you beat somebody good and then we'll talk about it. But they've got a lot of tough games coming up. Now they have this weekend off. Then they get Watford away, a game you'd expect them to win. Then Leicester at home, which will be tough, but you'd expect them to win it. But then they get Liverpool. They've also got to play United. They've also got to play... I believe Chelsea, they've got to play West Ham. So they've got a lot of tough games left. They've got Palace away, Brighton at home, who gave them awful trouble earlier this season. Let's just settle down, relax, not get too overly excited. You're in a good position. You've been in good positions before and found ways to blow them. It's a good win last night, but that's all it is, is one win. Thus far this season, you've still been poor against teams in the top half. Simple as that. Uh, We'll move on. Europa League last night. Atalanta 3, Olympiacos 0, Atalanta true 5-1 on aggregate. Lazio 2, Porto 2. I did think Lazio were going to pull this off when Immobile put them 1-0 up, but Porto fought back. Taremi and Uribe put them 2-1 up. Cataldi's late goal wasn't enough for Lazio. Porto threw 4-3. Dinamo Zagreb won. Sevilla nil. Uh, Orsic with the only goal, but Sevilla threw 3-2 in aggregate. Real Sociedad won. RB Leipzig 3. Sociedad got walloped at the weekend by Athletic Bilbao. Just didn't turn up. Didn't turn up at all. Willie Urban and Andre Silva put Leipzig two up. Subimende pulled one back, but Emil Forsberg wrapped it up on 89 with a penalty 5-3 on aggregate to Leipzig, and through they go. Performance of the night goes to Barcelona. Jordi Alba put them one up. Frankie de Jong with a worldie put them two up. Lorenzo Insigne scored a penalty to drag... Napoli back into the game, but then Gerard Piquet just before half time made it 3 1. Pierre Emerick Aubameyang, who hadn't looked like he was able to score goals during his last 18 months with Arsenal, suddenly finding form four goals in four days. He gets the fourth. Politano with a late consolation for Napoli, but Barcelona threw 4 2 on aggregate. Braga came from 2-0 down. They beat Sheriff 2-0 last night and went through 3-2 on penalties. Big turnaround. Congrats to them. Rangers 2, Dortmund 2. Tavanier put Rangers 1 up. 
Bellingham equalised on 31. Daniel Mallon put Dortmund 2-1 up. And you thought Dortmund were going to pull it out. But Tavanier again on 57 to wrap it up. 6-4 to Rangers on aggregate. Massive win for them and congrats to them. And then Real Betis nil. Zenit St. Petersburg nil. 3-2 on aggregate to Betis. And through they go. The draw has been made for the next round. Rangers will play Red Star Belgrade. Braga will play Monaco. Porto will play Lyon. Atalanta will play Bayer Leverkusen. Sevilla will play West Ham. Barcelona will play Galatasaray. RB Leipzig will play Spartak Moscow. Real Betis will play Eintracht Frankfurt. I think there's three ties here that really stand out. Porto Leon, I think, will be a fun, entertaining two games. Leon have a lot of very exciting players. The season hasn't gone as well domestically as they've hoped, but they're still a quality team with quality players. And Porto, top in Portugal, doing well in this competition, will be on a high after beating Lazio. They'll be confident going into that. Atalanta versus Leverkusen should be an absolute blast. Two very attack minded teams. Two teams that play really exciting football. So looking forward to that one. And then obviously Sevilla West Ham. This is the worst possible draw West Ham could have gotten. This, this is the master of the Europa League. This is the team that win this competition more than anybody else. They've won it six times and they want number seven. So those are very, very exciting games. Barca-Galatasaray should be decent. Leipzig-Spartak, we wait and see if anything, if that can even happen. Spartak may have to play those games on, on neutral venues. Um, but those three games, I think, are really standout ties. Porto-Leon, Atalanta-Leverkusen, and Sevilla against West Ham. Thursday, the 10th of March for the first leg. Thursday, the 17th of March for the second leg. The draw then for the quarterfinals will be made on the 18th and the quarterfinals will be the 7th and 14th of April. The draws to the semifinals will be made that day as well and those games will be the 28th of April and the 5th of May and the final will be the 18th of May in Seville. So all things considered, I think we've had a very, very good draw here and this is going to be a very exciting competition until the end, I think. In the Europa Conference League, Marseille beat Quarabeg 3-0, go through 6-1 on aggregate. It was never really in doubt. Gaye, Guendouzi and De La Fuente with the goals. Uh, Bodo Glimp 2, Celtic 0, 5-1 aggregate win for Bodo. Solbakken and Vettelsen with the goals. Maccabee Tel Aviv 1, PSV Eindhoven 1, PSV through 2-1 on aggregate. Uh, Vertessen scored on 84 for PSV. Sabaret on 91 for McAvee for a little bit of consolation. Partizan, 2-1 winners last night over Slavia Prague. Ricardo Jorge Perez Gomes with both goals, 7-24. and 24, Then managed to get himself sent off on 65. Adam Hlozek on 85 <clears throat> with the late goal for Sparta. Watch for his name to come up this summer. He is not going to be at Sparta Prague next season. He is far, far too good to not be moving to a top five league this summer. Outstanding talent. Randers won Leicester three. This was an appalling game of football. Uh, Harvey Barnes scored on two minutes and the remainder of the first half was absolutely horrid. James Madison had five minutes of magic on 70 and 74. To make it three, put the tie to bed, and then Stephen O'Day scored on 84 just for a late consolation. But Leicester threw 7 2 on aggregate. PAOK beat Mithilian 2 1 and then beat them 5 3 on penalties to get themselves through to the next round. Vietas Arnhem 2 0 winners over Rapid Vienna to overcome the deficit from the first leg and get through 3 2. Slavia Prague 3, Fenerbahce uh, 2, Slavia through 6-4 for 
on aggregate, we have the draw for the last 16. Marseille versus Basel. Leicester versus Stade Rennes. PAOK versus Ghent. Vietas Arnhem versus Roma. PSV Eindhoven versus Copenhagen. Slavia Prague versus Lask of Austria. Bodo Glimt against AZ Alkmaar. And Partizan Belgrade against Feyenoord. So both Belgrade teams advancing and both of them getting draws that could end up in absolute mayhem uh, between the fans. Red Star with Rangers, Partizan with Feyenoord. I think the tie of the round here is Leicester versus Wren. Really exciting to watch this one. Some very, very exciting players in that Wren squad. Loic Bidet, the centre-back, 100% one to keep an eye on. Martin Terrier, the striker, is an exciting player. A little bit older, 26, 27 now at this point. 24. He's younger than I thought. He's been around a while. He was at Lyon for a couple of years. That didn't really work. Uh, very good player on his day. The two really exciting ones to watch are obviously Jeremy Doku and Kamaldine Sulemana. So keep an eye on those. But also... Lovro Mahir, the midfielder. Keep an eye on him. Croatian midfielder, left-footed playmaker. Really, really exciting player. That's one to watch. I think it's the biggest and best of the ties left in that competition for this round. So that's the one I'll be keeping an eye on myself. We'll move on then into the news. Ukraine crisis. Manchester United have terminated their official carrier sponsorship deal with Aeroflot. Um, I think we're going to see more and more of this. We've obviously seen Schalke remove Gazprom from their shirts and from their stadiums. I think a lot of Russian companies are about to find emails in their inbox saying that clubs can no longer carry on having agreements with them. Uh, on the same topic, the Ukraine conflict, Alexander Zinchenko joined the vigil for Ukraine in Manchester City Centre last night. And these vigils are popping up everywhere. There's obviously been mass protests everywhere, including in Moscow. And may I just say, credit to anybody protesting against Vladimir Putin and his warmongering in Moscow. Uh, that is very, very, very impressive. Um, the Champions League final, as expected, has been moved from Russia to France. So rather than being played in St. Petersburg, it will be played in Paris at the Stade de France. I th think this is the right move. I think it's the only move. Take it away from the Russians. They do not deserve it. And somebody needs to have a long chat with Vladimir Putin. Doesn't he, does he not have an uncle or something that can just sit him down and say, what are you doing? Like, why not? Why are you pretending this is about something other than what it is? What this is about is you wanting your port access and nothing else. Well, let's make it clear. You can have your port. Nothing's going to go into it. Simple as that. Um, Leeds United. Marcelo Bielsa very worried about club form, but will not quit the club in the mid-season. I'm hopeful. Hopeful he will still be there next season and that Leeds will still be a Premier League club for next season because I do enjoy I do enjoy watching. Don't enjoy the antics of their fans. A lot of the times I think some of their fans let themselves down. Um, but, you know, that happens at all clubs. For example, the Leicester fan who went onto the pitch and attacked Nottingham Forest players in the FA Cup game a few weeks ago has been sentenced to four months in prison he has been banned from attending football matches for 10 years and Leicester have banned him from their matches for life. This is a 19-year-old young fella who went to a game, got himself... Let's just say he was over-served and be polite. Let's just say he was over-served. He sat in the disabled section with his father, who has limited mobility, got himself obnoxiously drunk jumped the hoardings and went and attacked football players and then acted like Billy Big Bulls when he was been dragged off. Well, you weren't so Billy Big Bulls sat in that court today with tears in your eyes. 
because you're going away for four months and you're very, very lucky you've been sent to a young offenders prison and not to a real big boy prison where bigger boys would want a wee word with your son. Learn a lesson from it, though. Uh, finally, we'll wrap up with the gossip and then we'll take a break and bring in Mr. Drinkle to have a look at the weekend's games. Chelsea striker Romelu Lukaku has been linked with a return to former club Inter Milan, but the Belgian international wants to stay and fight for his place at Stamford Bridge, putting out all the right messages in February. You just wait till May and see what the message is coming out then. Manchester City are leading the race to sign Erling Haaland. No, they're not. They're not. Not at all. Borussia Dortmund sporting director Hans-Joachim Watzke expects Haaland's future to be decided in the next six weeks. Killing Mbappe's contract at PSG runs out in the summer and he has turned down another offer from the French side because he is going to Real Madrid to play next to Haaland. Uh, Arsenal, Chelsea, Manchester City, Manchester United and Tottenham are interested in Paolo Dybala, who is open to leaving Juventus this summer with his contract set to expire. Uh, horrible fit at Arsenal, horrible fit at Chelsea, would be an ideal fit at City, should avoid United like the play, and Tottenham have no need for him at all. Uh, City would be the only Premier League club that would make real sense for him. And I think he ends up staying at Inter Milan. Or stay, staying in Italy and going to Inter Milan. If if he leaves Juventus, he may not leave Juventus. Newcastle will rival Arsenal for the signing of Jonathan David this summer. It will depend on what Mr. David's preference is. A football club on the rise or the biggest bag of money he's ever seen. Arsenal have also made a fresh approach for Alexander Isak. Now, I like Isak, but his buyout is about 80 million. And, you know, if you're paying that kind of money, you'd really want to be certain you were getting a player in great form. Eight goals in 29 games this season. Just better than one in four. It's not ideal. Newcastle are ready to make a move for 26-year-old Belgian defender Jason Denier, whose Lyon contract expires at the end of the season. That would be a good move. He is a good defender, not a great one, but a good defender, a little bit undersized for centre-back and probably more suited to a three than a two, but a good defender who, on a free, would be a clever signing. Everton will rival Newcastle this summer for the signature of Arnaud Danjuma. I don't think he's going to want to play in the championship, so Newcastle should be able to get him if that's the only two clubs in for him. Manchester United are interested in signing Antonio Rudiger when his contract runs out in the summer. Um, I mean, he, he's, he's better than Maguire. Is he better than Maguire in a four, though? He probably is slightly better than Maguire in a four. Not great in a four, though. And he could play a high line next to Varane, which would be beneficial. Um, yeah, that that's not... Like, it would all depend on what you're paying him. If you're paying him three hundred thousand a week, then it's a bad signing. If you're paying him one fifty, it's 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 passable, you know. Manchester United are keen to sign Manuel Akanji from Borussia Dortmund, and are said to have already tabled an offer. Builder reporting that Builder saying he is said they they are said to have already tabled an offer, and it was Build who said they tabled an offer. So Builder reporting reporting on their own reporting now, which is an interesting turn of affairs. Um. Akanji is a good defender who should be much better than he is, but has had a lot of injury problems, a lot of consistency problems. Hasn't developed the way you would have liked him to develop at Dortmund, in part because of those injuries, but also in part because it's been a bit chaotic there. They don't really have an identity. Um, it depends on what role they want from him. It really does. Chelsea have ruled out an attempt to sign Serge Gnabry and will instead go all out for Usman Dembele. Dembele makes sense, considering he's worked with Tuchel before. Gnabry is a better player. Uh, but Gnabry will be very expensive, whereas Dembele is on a free. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I think Gnabry gets his contract sorted and stays at, at Bayern. So that's probably a moot point. But Usman, I, I just... He's injury-prone, he's inconsistent, he's immature, and that is just three big red flags. 
Watford striker Ashley Fletcher is close to joining Major League Soccer side Red Bull or New York Red Bulls uh, on loan. So he was brought in, I believe, in the summer. Yeah, from Middlesbrough. Um, having scored a mighty four goals last season. He's made three Premier League appearances. Seems like a bit of a pointless signing. But yeah, off he might go to New York Red Bulls, managed by Gerhard Struber, who continues to be one of the biggest frauds in management. And I continue to see fans of English clubs suggesting that they quite like Gerhard Struber to come in and manage their team. Um, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, his teams play football that's nice enough to watch, but he just doesn't win football matches. He just doesn't win games. Like, at Barnsley, he managed 39 games. They lost 17 and drew eight. Then he won 14 of those games. He left them right down at the bottom of the table. And they only stayed up the previous year when he was lauded for what he did because Wigan went into administration and got a 12-point deduction. They were appalling under him the next season, and he got in. Well, he, he he walked out to go to New York, and then Ishmael kept them up. Uh, with New York, he's managed thirty-five games. He's lost fourteen and drawn eight, only winning thirteen of them. So, I don't know what you think you're getting with him. He plays good football, brilliant. He doesn't know how to win football matches. He doesn't know how to win football matches. If you're only winning across two jobs in 74 games, if you're only winning 27 games out of 74, that's just not going to do it for me. Uh, the agent of Arturo Martinez, who who has been linked to Manchester United and Barcelona, says he is happy at Inter Milan. He'll be happy until he doesn't get the money he wants. Arsenal have put talks with Alex Lacazette on hold till the end of the season. Newcastle failed in the move for Duvan Zabata in January but remain interested in signing him in the summer. Barcelona are considering a move for Saul Niguez in the summer, uh, with him expected to return to Atleti on loan from Chelsea, where it's just not working out for him. I, maybe maybe he goes to Barca. I hope not, but maybe he does. Real Madrid have total faith in Danny Carvial and do not plan to sign him. player. Jesus wept. He has been, like, and I mean washed for like three years now. Seriously. The guy can't run. Paris Saint-Germain's 30-year-old Ford Neymar has really turned down the chance to sign for Real Madrid as a teenager. Did he? I do remember Real being linked with him years and years and years ago. He was 15 or 16, and World Soccer Magazine did a little mini feature on him. And I remember Real... Vividly remember, I love that magazine. That is, it is just, yeah, never mind. But there was a piece on him, and they did specifically mention Real. Of course, he ended up at Barca, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, we'll take a break there. When we come back, we will be joined by Young Master Drinkle, and we will preview this weekend's Premier League action. Eight games. And we'll have a quick look at the EFL Cup. So we'll see you in a minute. Right, welcome back. Before I bring in Mr. Drinkle, I have this. I've seen this from Cristiano. Uh, it's hard to say that I don't want more, because if I'm at a club that gives me the opportunities to win more things, why not? I know I don't have many more years left playing. Four or five more, we'll see, and I want to win more things. You are 37 years of age. You are a, sh a shell of yourself. You are a negative impact player. And if you think teams looking to win things, bar in secondary leagues, are going to want you for 
four or five more leagues. You are absolutely deluded, son. Uh, off you go to Qatar, because that's about the only place you're going to win things from now on. Uh, right. I am now joined by Guy Drinkle. How are you, sir? I am still questioning what to do with my FPL. You have not made that decision yet, right? What was your team last week? Right, so I used my free hit last week, so that did well. But then it's gone back to my old bad team. Um, and my old bad team... So I have three, I have three Liverpool players who are obviously in the League Cup, which is yeah. an issue. So I'm thinking Sterling for Salah for a week, because they're playing Everton, and we'll get yeah. into that, so double figures. Then I have two Arsenal players who won't be playing, obviously. But I think my biggest issue is I have Ollie Watkins and Aston Villa are terrible. Yes, that is maybe the biggest issue yeah. you have. Um, am I right in thinking you're only allowed two transfers? You are la- You can do as many as you want, but it takes points off you. And I think I I have one free. So I've, I've done Sterling to... I've done Salah for Sterling. I'll probably do Trent to someone. And then I'm all right with the Arsenal lads because they're, they're bench fodder anyway. But Watkins I need to bin because he's dreadful. Or Aston Villa are dreadful more so. Hmm. I might suggest uh, Trent for someone like a Tino Livermento mm. playing Norwich tonight. That could be an opportunity for him. Um, you could also go down the route of. I mean. It's not a great week, is it? It's not a great week, no. It's not a great week at all. Um, I just keep... Te- instead of getting Trent, because I don't know who's keeping clean sheets nowadays, I might just play with nine, uh, ten men or something like that instead of bidding Trent. You might be better off and at least get zero points as opposed to the potential yeah. for some sort of disaster. Because if I get rid of Watkins, I can get... Someone good. Well, not that Watkins isn't good, obviously, but just at the moment. I'm so bad at them. Um... Do you have the money for, I don't know, a Youngman's son or a Kulisevsky or somebody given Tottenham playing Leeds in that defence? That's true. Or even an Armando Brogia from Southampton might be worth bringing in given Norwich aren't very good defensively. Hmm. One to ponder. I'll I'll think of this in the background. Maybe report back before we finish. Good stuff. Right. Let's get going. We've got eight Premier League games. We've got one League Cup final. We're going to get through these as quickly as we can. Uh, because, as you said, it's not a great weekend of Premier League action, so there's no point in really pondering too much in any of these games. Yeah, so as you said in there, the first game is Southampton against Norwich. Um, Southampton have obviously been on a really good run, not won all the games, but considering the, the fixture difficulty they had, I mean, they're up to 10th now when people were thinking they may have been in the relegation fight for a little while. But mm. Playing Man City, Spurs, United... And Everton, to get two wins out of that and two other draws in that, it, it it's pretty much as well as they expected. But, I mean, Norwich, before their horrendous run, two games back-to-back against City and Liverpool, they were obviously undefeated for three. It might have even been further than that, because I'm on the Premier League website and it only does the last five. But can Norwich go back to the form before the two difficult games? I think this is a very tough game for Norwich. So Southampton press very, very well in the opponent's final third. And Norwich have quite ponderous centre-backs who will give the ball away cheaply, either by getting it turned over on them or by just launching it up the field in a minute of panic. And they're also obviously not good enough defensively to hold out against wave and wave of attack. So with Saints, like you said, unbeaten in four, and it's been a tough run for them, I think this game is a Southampton win. Norwich, look, they had their little run. They gave us a sign of what they maybe could have been if they'd adapted earlier, but they've lost Adam a day for the season, and that's a big blow. Omar Bamadeli is out. They're still without Sorensen. I don't think he's going to make it back in time to start this weekend. Lucas Rupp, they hope to have back, but again, unlikely to start. There's just, it's, it's a bit of a bare bones situation for them at the minute. For Saints, no McCarthy. He wouldn't be playing anyway because Forster's playing very, very well. Uh, Leanko is out probably till towards the end of the season. 
and Nathan Tallis another couple of weeks away. But they'll be at full strength because none of those are starters for them. And I think a full a full strength at Hampton beats a full strength Norwich. And when you weaken that Norwich team, it's like I've said before with the likes of Brentford and Leeds, when you take out some of their good starters, what's there behind them isn't of the standard required in this division. I think it's a nice start to the weekend for Southampton. I'm going to go with a 3-1 Southampton win. Yeah, I think it should be a fun game either way. Um, probably the funnest game for many, many reasons is Leeds against Spurs. Now, question. If Leeds beat Spurs, who does Conte fight first? And why is it Levy? Oh, it's definitely Levy. It's definitely Levy. If Levy is at this game, Conte may go through the crowd just to get to him for putting him at this club. Um, if, if, if Leeds win, I think Conte may start to really consider walking. Tottenham can't afford that. Like This is the first, in his prime, world-class manager Tottenham have had since like Bill Nicholson. And Bill Nicholson left in, like I think, 1974 and had been past his best at that point. So you're talking about the first in his prime world-class manager since the 60s. Mm. And that's just not ideal. That really is not ideal when you're finding ways to spurs it up. But look, they showed against City what they can be and what they could become before showing against Burnley what they are more often. And that performance against Burnley was just a long way short of acceptable. Now, the good thing for them this weekend is that Leeds are awful. And it needs to be emphasised that they are dreadful. They can't defend. They're not good enough going forward. And they don't have anyone that scores regular goals because Bamford is out injured. Bamford is still out this weekend, along with Liam Cooper, Calvin Phillips, Leo Hjeld and Sam Greenwood. Loriente and Cocker expected back. You'd expect they both come back into the team and start, considering how awful the defence was at Anfield. For Spurs, Benton Kerr is going to be out for a while. That's a huge blow. Ollie Skip is out for another, little, another couple of weeks. And Jaffa Tenganga not expected back for another couple of weeks either. So advantage Spurs there. But... They've lost four of their last five, as have Leeds. So neither team can claim anything resembling good form. Both teams need the win here. Leeds need the win to try and put some distance between them and the bottom three. Spurs need the win to try and keep pace with those above them. Because if they were to lose this game, and Manchester United were to win their game, there would be 10 points between them, even though United or Spurs would have two games in hand. That's still a four-point gap after the games in hand, assuming they win the games in hand, which they've shown absolutely no ability to do. Wolves slipping up last night gives them an opportunity to overtake Wolves this weekend. If Wolves beat West Ham on Sunday they could draw level on points at West Ham and just keep themselves in that mix, keep themselves in touch with that group of five chasing the fourth place in the Premier League. But a defeat, you might as well just write it off, burn the whole place down, give the training ground to a charity for kids to use, turn the new stadium into some sort of modern art installation, let the players leave on freeze. And send Daniel Levy off to Siberia or somewhere where he can work in a gulag for the next 40 years because he's the one responsible for much of this. Um, I'm going to back Spurs for the win because Leeds are just so bad defensively that I can't see that Kane, Son and Kulosevsky don't tear them apart. I think I think Spurs will win this one 3-1. Yeah, that probably should be the funnest game of the weekend, as I say, for, for many reasons. Uh, Brentford-Newcastle. Obviously, Newcastle have been playing much better recently. Have Brentford just kept losing? Yes, apart from one draw. Um, bleh, you'd have to favour Newcastle again, wouldn't you? You would. Newcastle coming into this five games unbeaten, three wins in that five, 11 points from 15 as opposed to one point from 15 for Brentford. Brentford 
are hopeful that Ivan Tony will be ready, but he's still not 100% fit. Uh, Matthias Jensen should be back. Zanka is out. Christian Eriksen is getting closer and closer, and maybe we see him off the bench in this one, which would just be great to see him back playing. Uh, Fosu and Janvar both out. For Newcastle, no Matt Ritchie. Mankio could be fit. Uh, Hayden is, sorry, Frazier is back fit. Hayden and Lewis, obviously, uh, not, not in the squad. Trippier injured. Wilson injured. St. Maximum is a major doubt. If he is fit, that's obviously the biggest boost Newcastle can get, as is Ivan Tony for Brentford. At Brentford, Newcastle with these injuries, but in much better form. Oh, I think I'll I think I'll go draw. Mm. I think I'll go one one. Which is a good point for both, to be fair. It's a really good point for both teams. It's a really good point for both teams. And given who other teams are playing this weekend. It would allow Brentford potentially to open a three-point gap on Everton and a two-point gap on Leeds. It would push Newcastle ahead of both Everton and Leeds in the table. I'll go the draw. I'll go 1-1. Next draw is Brighton against Aston Villa, which I believe you worded to me before we started uh, recording, is who can bottle a game most? Yes. Yes. Which team can find... The most exciting way to lose this one. Aston Villa, one win in their last five. Back-to-back defeats coming into this game. Brighton, one win in their last five. Back-to-back defeats coming in. Brighton, with Graham Potter, insistent that they must always play with no more than 10 players. Uh, Aston Villa, uh, the honeymoon period ended quickly for Gerrard. He really does need to start turning things around. Now, obviously, when he took over, he made an instant impact. And they got that bump. They got that new manager bounce. And the first result was a 2-0 win over Brighton and Hove Albion. But I don't think he's going to get the double over Graham Potter. I think Graham Potter and Brighton will win this game. Now, Brighton have Sarmiento out, Webster a doubt. Mwepu probably out. Lewis Dunk is back, though, and that's obviously a big boost for them. For Aston Villa, Marvellous Nakamba still out. Bertrand Traore, a doubt. But I believe Ezri Konza is back from suspension, so that's a big boost for them. I will go 1-0 to Brighton. Ooh, that's... Uh, how confident are you saying that? Not very. <laughs> Yeah, but, but Villa don't look like scoring they at the don't. minute. They don't. And Brighton never really looked like scoring, so I'm guessing maybe dunk from a corner or something like that. It's either Coutinho, Worldy, or a set piece from Brighton. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um. Oh God, the next draw: <laughs> Crystal Palace against Burnley. Uh, Burnley obviously got better recently. Uh, Palace kind of just Big. come back to having a Palace season where they're safe. Yeah, and big the win in the week finished. though over Watford yeah. for Palace. Big win four one at Watford. Yeah, um, revenge look, against pa- Roy. <laughs> that's it. That was it. Literally, you could see it in Zaha's face. He just wanted revenge over the man that ruined his peak years with dreadful football. Um, Palace are going to finish somewhere between eleventh and thirteenth. They're going to finish somewhere around the forty-one to forty-four point mark, which. You know, from the outside, you'd look at that and say, well, it's the same kind of season they've had the last couple of years. But then you really dig in, you look at the style of play, and they're vastly improved. You look at the average age of the squad, and it's a massive positive how much younger they've gotten. You look at the fact that this is the first year under Vieira, and it's the start of something new. And it's a very positive season for them to finish, in the even in the lower half of the mid-table, but comfortable against relegation. Whereas, you know, in the last couple of years, it just felt like they were existing. Now it feels like there's something actually exciting happening there. Burnley... Burnley are like... 
the Walking Dead of the Premier League. Like, it, this is just a very slow, methodical march to freedom. Should have ended no four matter, seasons ago. <laughs> yeah, and no matter how much of the other teams running away and running away and opening up a gap, eventually all of those teams stumble, Burnley catch them, consume them, and overtake them. And I think Burnley are going to do it again this season. Back-to-back wins and big wins. Away at Brighton, home at Spurs. They're playing well. They've actually played very good football in the last two games as well. Now, Mm. it's obviously, relatively speaking, compared to normal Burnley, it's very good. Compared to Liverpool and City, it's not. But you get my point. Vidra is out, but Westwood is back. Cornet they're hoping to have back. Charlie Taylor is back. Johan Berg Goodmanson will be out for another little while. And that's a big blow for them. But he's not necessarily a starter anyway. Aaron Lennon um, is brilliant at the minute anyway. <laughs> Aaron Lennon is playing, he's playing really well. So that is a plus. For Palace, no Nathan Ferguson. Joel Ward is unlikely. Uh, Gaeta is back. But he does have a bit of a nagging knee injury that needs to be kept an eye on. Ferguson and Ward means Nathaniel Klein at right back. If Dwight McNeil plays against them the way he has the last two games, he will cause Nathaniel Klein a lot of trouble. I don't know that Palace's defence will be able to uh, cope with Veghorst in the air because... Play Ashley Watford. Barnes as well. It's not going to be Ashley pretty. Barnes. Ashley Barnes back from injury where he missed most of the season, just throwing himself about and bundling into defenders, doing what he does. He always has a month where he turns into like peak Shearer. Someone, yeah, he does. Shearer, turns into Alan Shearer. It might not even be a month. Some years it's just a fortnight. He's three games in two weeks where he just looks brilliant, mm. but he, he will cause them trouble. And I am going to go. For the Burnley win. Oof. I'm going to go for a 2-1 Burnley win. And Burnley to propel themselves. Not just eat themselves. Propel themselves. Out of the bottom three. And a win for Burnley. If the other results go the way I suggested. Which is Leeds to lose. Newcastle to draw. And obviously we'll get on to City Everton. <laughs> Burnley would overtake all three of them. Their because their goal difference is staggeringly bad. Yeah. Minus 8, compare that to Brentford minus 15, Leeds minus 27, Everton minus 12, Newcastle minus 19, Watford minus 22, and Norwich minus 38, which is an embarrassment. But when you've only conceded 29 goals all season, you're giving yourself a fighting chance. Like, that's far better than anyone else in the bottom half. The the next best in the bottom half, Palace... Said Ham, no, yeah, sorry, Palace and Villa have conceded 37. So they're eight goals better off than them. Um, Said Hampton are in the top half, 37. Tottenham, 32. West Ham, 34. Man United, 34. So there's four teams in the top half who Burnley have kept a better defensive record than. They're only one off Brighton, who we say are a good defensive team. Um, the two off Arsenal who've been loading themselves as a good defensive team. Like, they are one of the better defences in the league. The issue is they just haven't scored enough goals. Only 21 this season. But, Veghorst in the mix now. Cornet to come back. Barnes back in the mix. Rodriguez looked really good the last two games. I think there's more goals in the team than we think. I'm going to go for a 2-1 Burnley win. Yeah, huge win as you say. Uh, next up, Man United against Watford, whereas I believe the only thing Watford have done this season is get Ole Gunnar Solskjaer a sack, which I have never forgiven them for. You are right. The only thing they've done this season of use is get Ole sacked. And when I combine that with the fact that when they release their team on social media, they do it numerically rather than by position, oh, that's I think it's time for Watford to be liquidated. Not relegated, liquidated. Burn the whole thing down. Vicarage Road, the training ground, the whole thing. 
burn it to the ground, send all the players to Norway, except Emmanuel Dennis and Joe Pedro. I quite like them at Liverpool. Well, they can but just the rest of Udinese, to be fair. Yeah, they, that's probably it. Or, do they still own Granada? I don't think they do. I think there's another one they own. I'm not sure if it is. Yeah. Oh, they can all go back to Udinese. They're yeah. no good anyway. So they can all go there, except for Dennis and, and Joe Pedro. We, we'll take them because um, I, I like both of them. Um, yeah, I mean, it, United have to win this game. They, there's just no excuse for them not to. They're at home and Watford are awful. Now, McTominay should be back. Cavani is out and obviously Greenwood is suspended. Mm-hmm. Um, for Watford, no one Kulu, but Kuka, Joe Pedro and Josh King are all fit. So that's fine. Peter Thibault is lacking match fitness, but should be in the squad. United should win the game comfortably. I don't want to talk about them because they just they annoy me so much. There's there's just the the players at Manchester United, every one of them to a man needs to be slapped. Not not punched or kicked, slapped like a child is given a smack when it's bold. These players are just spoiled children. So a slap for all of them. And a 4-0 win for Manchester United. Ooh. Just, just so we can hear that Paul Pogba's back again. That's that's the primary thing. Or or that, you know, Bruno and Pogba are the two best midfielders in the league. And all that other good stuff that comes out when they get a win over a bad team. Speaking of bad teams, uh, <laughs> Everton against Man City. Now, when Man City win this game, <laughs> who's happier? Man City fans... Or Everton fans. Everton fans, probably. All they have to cheer for, uh, all they have left to cheer for this season, is basically Liverpool not winning stuff. So it's not an ideal situation. Uh, City hope to have Jack Grealish back and Gabriel Jesus back. Zach Steffen is still out. Uh, Cole Palmer is still out. And obviously um, the French left back is... Is in prison. That's where he is. He's he's not out. He's in jail. Um, Everton have a lot of players out, and many of them are important players. Yerry Mina is out. Ben Godfrey is out. Fabian Delph is out. Now Abdoulaye Dukure is back in training, and we'll see if he's ready to play. Damari Gray. They're hopeful that he will be ready to play. Tom Davies is injured. Frank Lampard is a PE teacher. Pep Guardiola is one of the best managers in the world. Everton are an abomination. City are arguably the best team in the league. I do not expect City to drop points again. I think we see a reaction from them after what they did. Oh, how sorry, what happened against Spurs? The Ev. I mean, they got beaten by Southampton. They got beaten by Newcastle. They did beat Leeds, but I mean, everybody beats Leeds. They lost to Villa. They lost to Norwich. They lost to Brighton. You know, the last good result they had in the league, like impressive result, was a one-all draw at Chelsea in December. Before that, they lost to Crystal Palace. They did beat Everton, but they got smoked in the Merseyside derby. And I think they get smoked again here. I am going to go 5-1 to Manchester City. Ooh, who's scoring the own goal for Man City? This will be a John Stone special against his former club. Hmm. When it's already 5-0, just to sort of ease the mood and maybe let the fans simmer down a little bit. I just don't see how City don't win this game. They're... So much better than Everton. Like, just factor in, there's still a third of the season left, or so. And after this game, they will have more than three times the points that Manchester City have. They will have, no, they'll have sorry, exactly three times the points that Everton have. They'll have 66. Everton will have 22. Now, Everton will have some games in hand, but does anyone really fancy them to win these games in hand? <laughs> um, no, I think Everton are in for a hiding. Everton, I think, are going to face a couple of hidings. They've got this game, then they get Tottenham away, then Wolves at home. I think that's three straight losses. 
Then they get the, their makeup week. Then they get Newcastle at home and Watford away. That's the only kind of easy little spell they have That's between now and the end of the season. Huh? It is. And they've got to win both games. Mm. Because the only other winnable game, as you look at their schedule, is Brentford at home. Because after Watford, it's West Ham away, then Manchester United, then Crystal Palace, then Liverpool, then Chelsea, then Leicester, and then Arsenal on the final day. So they have to win these two games against Newcastle and Watford. I don't see them getting any points in the meantime. And beyond that, I can maybe see a point at home to Palace, maybe, and three points against Brentford. Is 10 points enough to stay up? Possibly. Possibly. But you're going to be looking for other teams to mess up there as well. And I think I think they're in big trouble. So I think the trouble starts this weekend, 5-1 to Manchester City. Moving on to Sunday, then we have one Premier League game and the League Cup final. Uh, start with the Premier League game. West Ham hosting Wolves. Um, obviously, Wolves just don't like Arsenal for some reason. But they have mm. been very good this season. And West Ham, what's their form like? A couple draws back-to-back in games they really should have won, to be yeah. fair. Just about beat Watford. And then two losses before that. I mean, Man United, whatever. But Leeds before that. So not great form from West Ham. Not great form at all. And they also had that FA Cup fourth round game in where they didn't impress anybody. Yeah. Yeah. As you said, they should be beating Leicester given Leicester's issues. They should be beating Newcastle because, well, Newcastle, so the form hasn't been good. Just the one win from five is not acceptable and it's threatening to derail their season. And given they just got the hardest possible draw in the Europa League, I don't know that West Ham will be in Europe again next season because, you know, they've already played a game more than Wolves, two more than Spurs. And I don't know that I fancy them to finish ahead of either of those teams, just given how the form is at the minute. Um, But this is a big game for them. This is a big game. They need a turnaround. They need a reaction. They've obviously had a little bit of a break this week, whereas Wolves have had to play on Thursday night, which seemed a little unfair that that game was Thursday night rather than Wednesday, like the others. Um... Going into the game, we have Lanzini back, Masawaka out, Sufel out, Yarmolenko out. I think he he's probably distracted at the minute anyway. Um, I think that's actually what it is. Yeah, in, he's not really in a good place at the moment, so we've given given him a few days off. We'll certainly help. It's a really difficult time for him and his family to respect that. That's from David Moyes this morning. So that's good to see from West Ham. Uh, Ogbonna out, obviously, for the season. For West, for Wolves, Semedo got an injury last night, so he's going to be out for a little while. And Willie Bolly is still out, so they wait on him. Um, West Ham are at home and should win this game because, again, I think they've got a better eleven than Wolves. Now, this is closer than the Arsenal one, I think. But if you're putting together an 11, I think you go Antonio up front, you probably go Bowen, Fornals, Neto, Neves and Rice. And I love Suchek, but I think it's Neves and Rice. I think I'd go wait Nori at left back, but Sufal at right back. Zuma, and Kilman and Sa. So I've got five Wolves players and six West Ham players. And West Ham have better depth. And West Ham's players that wouldn't get in that are better than the Wolves players who wouldn't get in. So West Ham should win. But will they? I, I, I don't think they will. I think this is a draw. I'm going to go 2 2. On the draw. Now, I know scoring two goals is a little bit foreign for Wolves. We've only done it a handful of times this season, but I'm going to go 2 2 uh, Wolves to get a point from the London Stadium. Should be a decent game as well. Uh, League Should Cup, be a good one. League Cup final then. Chelsea against Liverpool. Uh, I think Pep Linders did the press conference, which shows how much Klopp cares about the, uh, the Cup. Um, I think he did say Firmino's basically out, but. Jo- uh, 
still a question mark, so I presume he'll be on the bench. Um, and Chelsea's injuries uh, as follows. Reese James is back, but I think you said on the uh, Daily Red it would be a tough ask if he mm. just got straight back in. Hudson Adoy, you doubt. ZH is fine. Kovacic is fine. Ben Chilwell still out. So, a couple injuries on either, one injury for Liverpool and a couple on Chelsea's side. Um, obviously, Liverpool the much better team in form, but we we've had some horrid games against Chelsea. I mean, we obviously two 0 up earlier in the season and lost our grip on the game. But cup finals tend to be a bit boring as well. Cup finals tend to be a bit boring and Chelsea tend to be a bit boring. So I think we could be in for a boring day unless Liverpool can score score early and drag them out of their shell. That big pitch at Wembley will suit Liverpool more than it will suit um, Chelsea because Liverpool like to expand the play and Chelsea really don't because they can't afford to with their central defenders. I'm not 100% certain Mason Mount is fit. I know he played, I know he was on the bench against Lille, but it was notable that he didn't come on. So I'm not sure he'll be ready to start in this game. So that's another blow. If he is, there's no way he can be at 100% given he's carrying an ankle injury. So he's another one that's a concern to Chelsea. But the big one there is Kovacic. And I know, I know Reese James has been a big, been a big blow for them. But if no Kovacic, then they're going to have a tough time matching Liverpool in midfield. It's going to be an awful lot of work for N'Golo Kante to have to do all by himself. Because Jorginho is a fine player, but he doesn't doesn't cover the ground. And he's not going to be harrying and harassing the likes of Thiago and Fabinho. I like Liverpool to win this one. I, I think they're the better team. I think when you look man for man, they're just a better team. I think if you go, I, I did it yesterday, you go and put a combined 11 together, Kovacic gets in, and I really like Kai Havertz as a false nine. But that's it. That's it. You know, like Van Dijk is better than, than Thiago Silva and or Rudiger. Matip is better than Christensen. Trent is better than any right back they have. Robertson's better than any left back they have. Thiago gets in, Fabinho gets in. Those two are are no-brainers. It's either Kante or Kovacic. It's not both. And the wide forwards are Salah and either Mane or Diaz. Now, you could easily make the case for Mane through the middle, Jota through the middle, but I I just personally like Kai Havertz there. I think the other two are probably better players than him now, but I like Kai. Liverpool are a better team. They have a better manager. They've been together longer. They've been through more adversity. But it's a cup final and Tuchel's a very good tactician and he has caused Liverpool trouble this season. You look at how Chelsea got here, it's been all Premier League opposition thus far. They beat Villa on penalties after a 1-1 draw. They beat Southampton on penalties after a 1-1 draw. They beat Brentford 2-0 away. Then they beat Spurs 2-0 and 1-0. They've eased their way through to this stage. But Liverpool have done the same. Liverpool have been maybe even more impressive. They beat Norwich 3-0 away, Preston 2-0 away. Then they beat Leicester with largely an under-15 team uh, on penalties after coming back from 3-1 down. Then they beat Arsenal, having lost the first leg 0-0. They beat Arsenal 2-0 in London to get themselves through. I think Liverpool have to be favourites. I don't think it'll be an easy game. But if Liverpool score early, I think they can make it an easier game by drawing Chelsea out. I don't have the concerns of Liverpool getting 2-0 up and throwing it away the way they did at Stamford Bridge earlier this season while Thiago's in the team. So I'm going to say 2-1 to Liverpool. 2-1 2-1 to Liverpool. I think, I think Chelsea might even go in front, but I think Liverpool will win this game. I'll go 2-1, but I, I, I could even see 3-1 to the Reds. And that's the last game. And that is it. That is us for the week, folks. Thank you, as always. Enjoy your weekends. Take care of yourselves. If you are listening in Russia or Ukraine, well, obviously, thank you very much. Uh, I hope it's a welcome distraction to everything that's going on. But stay safe. 
and just be careful. You know, that's all we can do. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.